You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Happy Tuesday to you. We've got a few things to do here on the podcast first. I want to recap what happened yesterday at practice on Monday. Then I want to get into a trade idea, one that is interesting that has recently come up and I've been asked about. So I want to touch on that. I also want to talk about some of the recent linebacker contracts that have been handed out across the NFL and how that may impact things with Tremaine Edmonds. And then lastly, I want to talk a little mock draft. I know it's early, but we've done two mock drafts over at thedraftnetwork.com for the 2022 NFL draft. And so I want to mention the players that went to the Buffalo Bills and start to do a very preliminary introduction to some of the players that we could be talking about next spring. So stick around to the end for that. All right, let's start with the practice recap from Monday. And the first thing we have to mention with that is the temperature. It was hot and it was muggy, and it seems like several players had challenges adjusting to the heat. And you read some of the reports from practice, and there's a lot of talk of towels and just the training staff being a little bit more engaged than usual as the players navigated a hot and muggy practice scenario, to which I would say Miami in week two is going to be hot and muggy. And that's the big hot weather game that the Bills will have to deal with this year. There's nothing else that really concerns me. But that week two contest against Miami, I promise you it's going to be scorching hot. And I don't know how you get ready for it. So that is something Coach McDermott and his staff we'll need to figure out because it sounds like there was some real struggles from the players during practice in a hot and muggy scenario. A lot of players missed practice on Monday. Stefan Diggs with a knee. He was there. Uh, seems like he was coaching, um, seemed to be in good spirits and uh, you know wasn't like hobbling around, but he missed practice and his designation was a knee. Matt Milano missed practice with a mouth injury. John Feliciano was non-COVID illness, Tommy Doyle, non-COVID illness, Mitch Morse, the Bills center, he had a rest day, Vernon Butler has a concussion, he missed practice, Forrest Lamp remains out with a calf injury, and Christian Wade remains out with a shoulder injury, in addition to Jerry Hughes with a calf and Deion Dawkins with COVID, but Dawkins was at practice on the sidelines with the mask on, and um, he was present, so it sounds like that situation is progressing well. But a lot of players didn't participate on Monday, and the heat was something of note as well. Now, when it comes to practice recap reports, we didn't get a ton to work through this time. So I'm piecing together the most notable takeaways from reading about what happened courtesy of Matt Perino of Syracuse.com, of course, Sal Capaccio of WGR 550, Thad Brown had some comments that he made on the Twitter timeline, and so I put together the most interesting things that I was able to find uh, based on what was reported from practice. But again, this is a bit leaner 
than it's been from recent practices. And it sounds like the practice environment was a little bit different. Obviously, the heat played a factor. Didn't seem like the Bills were working on much of the vertical passing game, which takes away from some of those big plays down the field, whether it's an interception or a big catch or even sacks, right? Because you need long developing pass plays a lot of times for you to get a sack. So just keep that in mind as we talk about what happened in practice based on what was reported. Let's start with Matt Perino, who was very complimentary of the practice that Starla Tulele had, said he handled double teams well and even caused a little pressure on the quarterback. So I think most of the reports about Starla Tulele to this point have been simply that he is back and that people are happy that he's back. But we haven't heard much about what he's doing on the field. So it was good to hear some positive remarks about Starla Tulele and what he's done on the field as opposed to just what he could do and what he means to the team. F.A. Obata continued his amazing training camp, two more sacks and team drills. Once he beat Caleb Beninock, and it sounds like since he was signed, he's really struggled in practice, and the Bills' pass rushers have had their way with him. And the other was against Ike Bakker, which is interesting to me because that signals to me that it was an interior pass rush rep because he beat Bakker, who plays guard. And so one of the dynamics that I'm really excited to see this year is which defensive ends they let reduce inside and actually rush interior gaps and how F.A. Obata factors into that equation. And I think he can really do some good things there. He did last year for Carolina, and I think that can continue for the Bills this year. So I hope it's not just all talk and you know training camp reports. I hope this translates to the games because I think Obata – can really create some problems as an interior pass rusher alongside Ed Oliver, you know, and, and really create some fun packages that you can put on the field together to get after the quarterback on long and late downs. Uh, Thad Brown, he noted a win in a pass rush drill by Daryl Johnson against Daryl Williams. And it seems like ever since Heath Farwell came out and said what he said about Daryl Johnson and his value on special teams and how much he appreciates what he brings to the table as a four-phase special teamer that also plays defensive end, it seems like the reports of what Johnson's done at defensive end continue to pile up from camp reports, and he had a, a win against Darrell Williams. And so that's a notable rep in my mind, uh, considering he was going up against Williams and then you know was able to beat a really good right tackle. Emmanuel Sanders was back in the mix on Monday, and uh, all the reports, you know, Matt Perino, Sal Capaccio, they all said that he had a really good day working with Josh Allen, which is something that I am excited for. You know, I, I think that this is the type of receiver that fits really well with what the Bills like and appreciate in a ride receiver, the versatility, the route running, the hands, you know, the, the ability to win at multiple levels of the field. I think he's really what they want in that number two receiver. And so for him to be back on the field and, you know, despite limited reps with Josh Allen to this point, it sounds like they're getting on the same page rather quickly. And, you know, Sanders wasn't really around too much in the OTAs. He was there for the mandatory portion of it. But, you know, it's not like he's been a, a major uh, presence at one Bills drive. And, you know, he's been banged up a bit in training camp. And so, you know, it's nice to know that they can just pick up where they left off every time that Sanders comes in and out of the lineup, which has been quite frequently to this point in his tenure in Buffalo. Uh, Jake Kumaro had a good practice, which is seems like uh, in other news, water is wet. He has a good practice every day, it sounds like. 
And then Matthew Perino, uh, he talked about some positive reps from Isaiah Hodgins in one-on-one drills, one in particular against undrafted free agent cornerback Nick McLeod. Sal Capaccio, he praised Richard Wild Goose, a Bills rookie corner, one of their draft picks, for his willingness to come up and tackle and run support and said, quote, he's physical and really tries to find his way to the football wherever he can. And that's what you want to hear from Wild Goose, who, you know, is a raw player, didn't have a ton of reps at Wisconsin, but you like the idea that he could play slot, he could play outside, potentially a guy that you can look at as a gunner, and whether that's replacing Saran Neal uh, after the season if they don't bring him back in free agency or if they finally say goodbye to Taiwan Jones and they feel like Rashad Wild Goose can be the guy that fills in for him at Gunner and, and does a good job. So that feistiness, that competitive toughness, that willingness to fit the run and tackle, you know, those are things that translate well to being a, a gunner on the punt team. And so if Wild Goose can do that, that's going to buy him time to develop at corner, which is something that he needs to do given how inexperienced he is coming from Wisconsin. So i uh, like to hear that he's popping in terms of run support. And if that translates well to special teams, it's really going to help him have an opportunity to develop his overall game. Uh, last thing I want to mention here from the practice and what we learned from practice uh, was Harrison Phillips. He's actually pushing 310 pounds, and that's up three or four pounds from where he's typically been. And you've seen pictures of Harrison Phillips, I'm sure I have, and you could tell that he's built a little bit different, thicker, broader. Um, I think you can really tell in his shoulders uh, that he's added muscle. And, um, you know, I hope that it works out for him. I hope that he finds a, a physical condition that he's comfortable playing at, whether that's uh, from a size component or, or muscle mass distribution or trusting his, you know, repaired knee, all of those dynamics. I hope that Harrison Phillips can be comfortable and deliver his best season because, number one, the Bills need it, and number two, he needs it because this is a contract year for him, and he hasn't proven a lot in the NFL. And so, you know, you're looking for him to really maximize this year, provide quality depth on the interior for the Bills' defense, and then hopefully for Harrison Phillips, he could parlay that into a, a nice little contract extension for him. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and the UFC. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So before we dig into the trade possibility that I teased in the open, the Bills play a preseason game this coming Friday night against the Detroit Lions. And I think we're all interested in knowing if and how much the starters are going to play for the Buffalo Bills. And who knows what Sean McDermott will disclose throughout the course of the week. And the answer may be that they don't play at all. And maybe they're sprinkled in next week or something like that. I'm not sure what the plan is. But we have heard the plan for the Detroit Lions. Their head coach, Dan Campbell, said that his starters are going to play for about a quarter 
against Buffalo, and he said that they need to play, that they need reps. And I'm sure that's probably the case for Detroit, a new coaching staff, a new scheme, a new quarterback, all new weapons around this quarterback, a a lot of new pieces on defense. They do need reps. They're in a completely different place in their life cycle as a team compared to the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills are an established Super Bowl contender. The Detroit Lions are in year one of a rebuild, right? Like the infancy stages of yet another rebuild. And so I think you will see the two teams attack this first preseason game very differently. And we'll talk more about the preseason game later in the week. I'll talk to you about things that I'm looking for and and players that I'm excited to see. But since that nugget came through on Monday, I wanted to mention it here on the podcast. Now, as for this trade possibility, it came out recently from several prominent, respected NFL insiders that C.J. Henderson, cornerback from the Jacksonville Jaguars, could be available in a trade. And C.J. Henderson was a top 10 pick in the 2020 NFL Draft by the Jaguars out of Florida. And the rumors are that he could be had in a trade. And so I want to talk about this from a Bills angle. And I received several questions about this. One from Justin that says, should the Bills give any thought to adding C.J. Henderson via trade if the price is right? McDermott has always seemed to get the most out of his defensive backs, and Henderson has more tools than any number two McDermott has had to work with in his career. He could provide some speed the Bills secondary desperately needs, along with man coverage ability to keep up with the Chiefs and Titans. So yeah, I think this is a conversation worth having. Now, first thing that I want to say, is that I'm a little concerned that he's available. One season under his belt, had a few good games, mostly had a down year, which is expected on a bad football team as a rookie. But he's very quickly a player that the team is willing to move on from, and I think that's concerning. Now, what I will say about that is Jacksonville has a new general manager and a new head coach. The general manager that is in place now had nothing to do with the drafting of C.J. Henderson. That was done by the previous regime. Dave Caldwell picked C.J. Henderson, not Trent Bulky, who is the current general manager for the Jaguars. And like we've talked about recently, whenever new regimes come into place, the roster typically flips. And over time, it's unlikely that many players, if any, are holdovers from the previous regime because when new general managers and head coaches come into the mix, they want to populate the roster with their guys. And C.J. Henderson isn't either Urban Meyer or Trent Baalke's guy. He's a Dave Caldwell pick. So that could play into it. And also, Jacksonville went out and they did some things at corner this offseason. They signed Shaq Griffin in free agency, gave him a pretty sizable deal. They drafted Tyson Campbell, corner out of Georgia, with the 33rd pick in the draft. Meanwhile, they just picked C.J. Henderson in the top 10 in 2020. So a lot of very interesting dynamics are in play here. I do agree with Justin in that Henderson has really good physical gifts. Size, athleticism, quickness, fluidity, man coverage ability. Those are all things that he has, right? 
That's why he was picked in the top 10. His ability to compete and win in man coverage, good size, sticky down the field. He can run stride for stride with speed receivers. He can definitely do that. And I agree that that would be an asset to the Bills' defense. So while he brings this man coverage ability to the table, what he doesn't bring are some of the traits that the Bills covet in cornerbacks for the style of defense they run. C.J. Henderson is a dreadful tackler, an absolutely dreadful tackler. He doesn't want to get involved. He's very passive as a tackler. Some very disgusting reps you can watch of him at Florida just making business decisions, not wanting to tackle. That ain't going to fly into Sean McDermott defense. And number two, C.J. Henderson is a man corner. He's not a guy that is adept in zone coverage, which is very different. It's a lot more mental. You have to be able to cue the backfield. You have to anticipate route combinations and stay leveraged and understand coverage spacing and and how to squeeze routes and have really good eye discipline. So it's just a different skill set that the Bills are looking for in their cornerbacks that Henderson doesn't bring to the table. So where I get apprehensive about this idea is the benefit of adding C.J. Henderson would be that you have a guy that can play man coverage. But I don't think that the Bills are going to do that. I don't think they're going to change the style of defense that they want to run to incorporate a C.J. Henderson. They want guys that will tackle. They want smart players. They want guys that stay leveraged, that understand zone principles. And so from that perspective, I don't really see this as a viable idea, especially if there's a high price tag. I mean, Jacksonville just picked this guy in the top 10, and he wasn't awful as a rookie. I'm sure they're looking to recoup significant draft capital back in exchange for departing with C.J. Henderson. So I'm guessing they're going to want a high pick for him. And as much as I would love the idea of this skill set being part of the Bills' defense, I just don't know that they're going to incorporate it. And he's a liability as a tackler, and I don't think that his coverage awareness overall as it translates to his zone scheme is ideal. So if they're going to give him away, and you don't have to give up much, and you'll say, okay, we'll see. It's worth it because it's not really going to sting in terms of what we're giving up, and they just want to move on from this player. All right. But I don't really see that as a viable scenario in terms of how this thing plays out. So I am not necessarily for this because of the fit. I just don't think that he's a great fit schematically. And then when you factor in additionally what it's going to cost to get him, I'd probably just pass on this idea. This episode is brought to you by rockauto.com, a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and right in your pocket. Save time and save money when choosing rockauto.com. Why choose to spend up to 30%, 50%, even 100% more 
for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need over at rockauto.com. So a couple of NFL linebackers have signed massive, and I mean massive, market-setting new contracts with their respective teams. And of course, I'm referring to Darius Leonard from the Indianapolis Colts and Fred Warner from the San Francisco 49ers. And the reason we're bringing this up on Locked On Bills is Tremaine Edmonds, and he factors to be the next Buffalo Bills player to receive a contract extension. So I want to talk about these two deals and how it could impact things with Tremaine Edmonds. Now, Leonard signed a five-year, $98.5 million deal, $52.5 million guaranteed. Fred Warner signed five years, $95.2 million, and that comes with $40.5 million guaranteed. Both of those players signed contracts that pay them at least $19 million per season on average. Tremaine Edmonds is playing this year for $4 million and next year on his fifth-year option at $12.7 million. So it begs the question, what does this mean for Tremaine Edmonds and his contract? Well, the first thing that I would say is that Tremaine Edmonds is not in the tier of linebacker that Fred Warner and Darius Leonard are in. He's not as good of a player. So he doesn't qualify for this type of money. Yet, what I think this could mean for the Tremaine Edmonds contract extension is that he's going to be willing to wait. Because if Tremaine Edmonds goes out there and balls out this year and he does it again next year, he can position himself to get this type of money. I mean, the guy's only 23 years old. Play two more seasons, realize your ceiling, perform at a level like Leonard and like Fred Warner, and you too can get paid north of $19 million per season, especially in two years when the cap goes up and other linebackers sign big deals. If Tremaine Edmonds takes that step, there's going to be a lot of money out there for him. So for now, it doesn't mean anything because Tremaine Edmonds isn't in this tier of linebacker. But if he gets there, wow. He could really make a ton of money. So if anything, I think this pushes off that contract extension because I'm thinking Tremaine Edmonds is going to want to have more time to prove his skill set and challenge for a greater contract because right now he's just not in this, this tier at all. I mentioned that I want to talk about some mock drafts. And over at thedraftnetwork.com, we are in mock draft mode. And beginning last week with my mock draft, We are going to release a new mock draft for you every single Monday until the week of the draft. So with us really kind of beginning that conversation as it relates to the upcoming draft class and prospective team needs and prospective player team fits, you know, I want to take some time every once in a while on the podcast to talk about some of those selections. And that way we get the conversation going about draft picks earlier so you can be even more familiar with the names of the prospects that we're going to talk about heavily come February, March, and April. So 
we'll sprinkle this in from time to time, but we have two mock drafts already out on the website, one written by me, one written by Kyle Krabs, and so I want to mention the players that we had the Bills drafting and talk about them very quickly as we introduce some potential fits for the Bills next April. So like I said, my mock draft was up first, and the Bills picked 30 because that is the reverse Super Bowl odds courtesy of Bet Online. So the Bills are at the 30th pick, and I have them selecting Tyler Linderbaum, center from Iowa. And there are so many reasons why I went in this direction. Uh, first of all, I do think that the Bills are going to be in a position next offseason where they're going to look at either Mitch Morse or John Feliciano as a player that they move on from. There's some real cap savings opportunities by parting with either of those two players, which inevitably creates a hole at center or guard, and um, it would create that need in the draft. And so Tyler Linderbaum, a center from Iowa, I really think he fits the bill for so many reasons. Number one, he's from Iowa. We've heard Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott rave about the Iowa program, so we know they like getting players from there. Tyler Linderbaum is a high school wrestler, a very accomplished high school wrestler. You know that Sean McDermott's going to love that. He's a converted defensive tackle. He's still new to the position, and we know that the Bills like players that have switched positions, and they can really take a physical package that they believe in and develop it into the type of player that they want. So the offensive line need could be abundantly obvious. The Iowa program, the wrestling background, the fact that he's somewhat new to the position and that there's untapped potential, it just kind of lines up with a lot of the quirky trends that we see the Bills subscribe to with the players that they draft. Now, Kyle Krabs, he put out a mock draft this week. He had the Bills taking cornerback Ahmad Gardner from Cincinnati. His nickname is Sauce, so he goes by Sauce Gardner, and that's an elite nickname. And Gardner's a player that I really like, and late in the first round, I could definitely get behind him as a player, um, became a, a starter as a true freshman for Cincinnati and has been very consistent throughout his career. He's got a lot of length. He's physical. He's really good in press coverage. He has man coverage ability. He's smart also. I really like his coverage intelligence. He's got really good ball production. He's very competitive. He, he's a physical, tough player. Like in so many ways, he definitely fits what the Bills appreciate in cornerback prospects. Now, the thing that concerns me about Gardner is that he's extremely grabby down the field. He's a guy that, when it comes to trusting his athleticism, I want to see more confidence there because he always feels this need to tug at the jersey, You know, whether it's as routes elongate down the field or when there's going to be a break point in a route. He just gets grabby, and he has to be able to trust his feet and his hips to stay in phase with receivers more consistently to not be so grabby, and obviously that results in a lot of penalties. So he's got to get that tightened up. Um, but I do think he would be a really good fit for the Bills if they were to go corner in the first round. But I'm not crossing my fingers. I don't think I don't think the Bills are going to draft a corner in the first round. So Kyle was uh, more willing to do that, and maybe he was just teasing me more than anything. But um, he'd be a great fit. But predictably, I just I I can't get myself to believe that the Bills are going to make this type of an investment at cornerback. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us today here on the podcast. We covered a wide range of topics here today, and we may do the same again tomorrow. Who knows 
what practice is going to deliver and what other talking points I want to get into. So just make sure you come back and make sure you're subscribed. Would love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. I hope you have an awesome day, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.